Brian Duncan is with us today on Time Machine. Jeff Cooper here. Uh, tell us about your life growing up, Brian. <laughs> wow, that's a long life. Or, uh, I don't know. Uh, you uh, know, have you I grown up? Out of this. <laughs> yeah, I, that's my I dad. I'm a, my dad was a Pentecostal preacher, so we moved around the country since before I was born. You know, I don't think I spent more than two years in the same neighborhood. Uh, but you know, I grew up on James Brown and my dad was a Pentecostal preacher and I didn't see a lot of difference in the deliveries, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially the dance moves, right? Of course. Yes. So he influenced you musically. Uh, anyone else that you can name drop for us? Oh man, I grew up on, you know, Motown for the most part, you know, name any of those people. Yeah, You know, Al Green, uh, James Brown, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, you know, th that was my uh, go-to music. Yeah. So what bands did you get involved with? Uh, how early on did you get into bands? With uh, garage bands or did you sing in church? What kind of, uh, what got you started? Oh, I sang in church. You know, my dad was a pastor of usually a church of less than 100. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why... I wound up, he taught me how to play bass so he could have a bass player in the, in the service. Yeah. And then eventually I led song service and did all that. And mom gave me piano and accordion lessons and all of that. So mm. um, it was mostly growing up in church. I didn't start a band till I was, you know, in high school, I think. And, uh, you know, none of them were notable. No, <laughs> we can all attest to that for our own as well. Um, so Calvary Chapel, uh, what, uh, what age did you start uh, going near Calvary Chapel and what did that go coincide with Sweet Comfort Band or did you just show up and there was a lot of musicians there and said, Hey, let's start a band. What, how did that come about? Oh, that's a, that, that was a long time story. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't qualify as missionary material at Bible college in Florida. And then I went home after my first year mm -hmm. and I was going nowhere fast. So I, I took off for California because a friend of mine said, you know, you can do whatever you want out here and nobody really cares. Yeah. So it sounded, <laughs> sounded like a calling to me at that time. And then I got out there, ran straight into the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. So I think there was a God wink and all of that. Yeah. You know, you can't run from his calling. And I started, uh, you know, hanging around. I was really attracted to Love Song. Yeah. It was, a, it was one of the first Christian bands uh, that was, you know, they were a hippie band. Yeah. You know, and, man, I loved their stuff. And I started singing on Monday Night Bible Studies when Calvary Chapel was in a big tent. There was like 1,500 people at a Bible study. Go figure. Mm -hmm. When was the last time you heard that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but eventually, um, singing solo, um Kevin Thompson comes up to me. He's a bass player. He says, I'm a bass player, and my brother's a drummer. We were wondering if we could back you up sometime. Wow. So we got together, and uh, that was the beginning of the Sweet Comfort Band. Mm-hmm. We, we just called it Sweet Comfort in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Because Rick thought it was, the drummer thought it was another name for Jesus. Right. But, you know, when I would call out, you know, looking for uh, concert opportunities, People thought I said sleep comfort and <laughs> thought it was a mattress company. <laughs> so, you know, we tagged, we put band on the end just so that they knew what we were doing. Yeah. I think a lot of people did that at first. Uh, we started becoming band. Even now, uh, some people would, you know, here's the Foo Fighters band, you know. <laughs> um what kind of pressure did, well, your church obviously uh, liked music. Did you travel to other churches and they, uh, you were not exactly what they expected? And what kind of pressure did they put on you? Oh, my. That's a whole long story. There uh, was decades of that. Yeah, yeah. We started in the Calvary chapels, and they were starting to be spring up all over California. Mm -hmm. So our early tours were Calvary chapel things, and... You know, it was mostly outreach to hippie-styled, you know, jeans and T-shirt-wearing crowds. So, I mean, it, initially we weren't, like, written off, but when yeah. we started to branch out of the state uh, and we would show up to places, um, yeah, we started to get, you know, I don't think you guys should have long hair. Yeah, and yeah. We're not wearing the right things for church, and 
you know but then even even in college when i i played in a band then and i was playing folk rock mm-hmm. style music yeah and i still had you know old ladies uh try to cast demons out of me <laughs> because you know, by the way don't ever knock your hands away from somebody who's trying to pray for you right because it just proves their point oh no <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, do you have any memorable gigs to talk about? Like, uh, I don't know, other than the sound system wasn't what you expected. Anything that uh, jumps out at you that you talk about? Oh, man, there's so many. I I, well, I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm. Uh, you know, there was a lot of concerts that that uh, bounced the checks. Yeah, and yeah. I remember one time it was memorable. We set up for this concert at a college, and they had a big stadium. And I mean, they had it was out on the front lawn, and it was supposed to be, you know, uh, last day of the thing. And the promoter apparently got his dates wrong, and we had the concert stage set up. Oh boy! PA, the band is up on the stage doing sound check, and there's chairs out there to seat a thousand people or so. And nobody was there because oh boy. they left the day before. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was, it was the least attended concert we ever did. <laughs> and even the custodian wasn't there, was he? Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, what artists have you shared the stage with? I've got a few names here. Stonehill, Keggy, Mansfield, those type of people. Um, have you toured with them a lot or from time to time? Uh, in their band or just opening acts or uh, what uh, artists did you share the stage with? Well, all of those you mentioned, I yeah. shared the stage with. Uh, I One of the first people I toured with was over in Australia with Randy Stonehill, and I went as his keyboard player. Mm-hmm. The good news was he didn't have a lot of keyboard parts in his music, yeah. so all I needed was like a <laughs> you know a fifteen note little Casio, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a couple of lead lines on, yeah, and and then I toured pretty extensively with Phil Kagi. We did a thing called the Electric Tour, yeah. what I think they called it. We yeah. called it the Short Circuit because yeah. we neither one of us are over five six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. Tell us what it was like. Okay, I don't know how many. Um, I don't like the word secular, but you've been obviously done other music as well. Uh, what's the difference between a Christian band concert and a secular gig? Um, music is music, right? But uh, what, how would you define the two? Well, I, ma- I imagine people have their parameters about what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, you know, there, I read a scripture about how God is not impressed with nations. I, I also don't think he's impressed with genres. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, he takes the music that you use, and, you know, if it's if it's something that you've dedicated to him, then it's something that probably gets used on an individual level. And yeah. um, when we start trying to define what Christian music is, you know, I think we just go south yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Because, I mean, anybody can cut and paste whatever they want in the name of a song, mm-hmm. you know. I, um, but, you know, for me, my songs are a diary of faith. They always have been. Yeah. And we were probably, you know, classified as an evangelical band back in the day. But eventually, that became kind of a, a warning label, so to speak, you know. is like, oh, they're, they're some of those people. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's it actually uh, hindered our work more by attaching a name Christian band than anything that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, I think you're making me think of something that it's almost as, as important for someone to take something away and think about it. And, and rather than have the altar call at the concert, I mean, you might make a decision weeks later but you've heard something that meant something in a concert and then the person's done their job if that happens would you think yeah but you know in our in this world we have a tendency to want to be able to measure our ministry yeah and um so you know a lot of times i think altar calls are sometimes done in the name of uh you know, credits. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I'm significant as a minister because this many people got saved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a huge recidivism rate 
you know, even with the, I noticed that the, uh, even in the Billy Graham Association where they do ultra calls all the time, mm-hmm. thousands come forward, but they, they said that, you know, the people that they are able to stay in contact with are about 3% of that. That doesn't mean they've completely fallen away, but it, at the end of the day, your numbers don't mean a lot. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, it's on the, on the moment. You know, if you looked at uh, Calvary, uh, Jesus only had, you know, there was three crosses up there. One of them uh, made a decision to follow Christ, and the other one didn't. If you looked at that one situation, well, that would mean that about 50% of his ministry was absolutely worthless. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's one way to look at it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was looking back a little bit at some of the albums, Sweet Comfort Band. First, uh, it was Sweet Comfort in, in the be- beginning, like you said, 1977. Uh, Breaking the Ice, Hold On Tight, Hearts of Fire, Cutting Edge. Uh, those all held pretty true to a certain sound. And uh, something changed a little bit in 84 with perfect timing, though you still had the classic sound. Uh, what what happened with that? Was that a band decision or a producer decision with perfect timing? No, that was just a producer decision. <clears throat> we went with John and Dino Elefante. Um, uh, they were in, in California as well at the time, but they were, uh, I think John was, uh, was working with Kansas mm-hmm. and... So you know, a lot of that is just uh, the production value uh, more than the band than the band making a conscious choice to go a different direction. It's it's uh, the way the me- the record was mixed and uh, the way it was treated. Yeah, you know, it's amazing how many different ways a record can come out based on who's uh, turning the knobs. Yes, would you change anything with that? Would you go for a remix, for example? No, not at all. No. Um, there, there was nothing wrong with that record. No. Perfect timing, though, was was um, kind of an irony because, I mean, the band was breaking up in the middle of that yeah. project. Uh, you know, that was our last project, and there were tensions pretty high at that yeah. point. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was... Uh, I was kind of surprised the record actually got finished. So it's kind of like your Abbey Road, really. Yep, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, because it was a very popular album, still is. It's probably the one we play the most on our station, although we do play a lot of Sweet Comfort Band and Brian Duncan music. So um, one of my favorite songs, I believe it came from that album, uh, Prodigal's Regret. Am I right with that? Yeah, it's it's got two different titles. Uh, the, the hook of that song is I Never Should Have Left You. Yes. Yeah, it's still probably one of the most powerful songs that I ever wrote. Yes. Um, you know, I was just thinking about that yesterday and the fact that, you know, so oftentimes, especially in Christian music, we tend to edit ourselves a little bit, you know, for the sake of telling people what we think they ought to hear. Yeah. And that song has none of that. And maybe that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about as raw and emotion as you can get on a song and at the end of the day a song is only as good as the feeling is true yes mm-hmm. well i can tell you i i just listened to it before i uh, called you actually just to remind myself and i tear up every time it's a it's a very emotional song very true i think almost anyone can identify it because we've all you know backslidden or had uh, troubling times in our christian walk and it's definitely one that hits home definitely <clears throat> I was singing the other day, I Love You With My Life. It's another song that I wrote, mm-hmm. you know, it was on the second Sweet Comfort Band record. Yeah. It's the one that I sing more often than any of them. Yes. But I would never, I was singing it yesterday, and it has one meaning, mm-hmm. but I was feeling something completely different. And yeah. it's because the song has the, it starts with the emotional response of hearing someone say, I am leaving. Right. Um, and I'd never really felt it like that. I almost couldn't get through the song yesterday. Wow. Um, because I've lost uh, several friends this year. Yeah. You know, to cancer, three or four to cancer, one to a motorcycle accident. Yeah. And um, and it's amazing how a a song of true 
feeling of how things feel yeah um tend to come back in a stronger way even 20 years later mm -hmm. because feelings are an honesty that we don't often allow ourselves yeah exactly no i agree with that i'm a very emotional person so i i totally get that another one for sure for me was you led me to believe it kind of ties in with those um, we've all, I've got a, a person I could, I could tell you his name right now who led me to the Lord and he's no longer with the Lord for him that, that I know of. And it's interesting that people come along and like I said, even the Lord could use a donkey if he wanted to. Um, it can use a person who, who led you to the Lord and then no longer holds that uh, true to themselves. Well, here's a, here's a longer term thought about that. <laughs> yeah. That song was written by by Randy Thomas right. for the most part, yeah. and it was it was about a mutual friend that we have. His name is Greg Eckler. Okay, and he he was in a band called Psalm One Fifty. It was one of the first bands I'd ever heard really bring funk music to the forefront with mm -hmm. full blown horn section and be talking about Jesus at the same time. Right. Um, and, of course, he went off, he joined another band called Rubicon, which was just, you know, almost mm -hmm. a demonic rock and roll kind yep, of thing. that's why I didn't buy their album. <laughs> and then he joined, uh, he was in a punk surf band for a while, and mm. but now he's back doing Bible studies. He so is, yeah. Me, I start to understand that, you know, <clears throat> even if you think, you know, that person's lost, mm -hmm. um, you know, God is still the hound of heaven. Amen. And um, and I've seen it in our own lives, you know, of each of the band members mm -hmm. that, you know, on some, in some form or fashion, we've all gone off the rails at one time because faith is not faith without being tested. And sometimes you just don't know what to do with yourself yeah. about faith. You know, when I started losing friends to cancer and things happened to, to people that, you know, I felt like didn't deserve that yeah you start reading the fine print of the bible okay what did jesus say about eternity mm -hmm. uh is that really a promise is there really such a thing does god really care about me regardless of my circumstances and man if those things aren't true at the end of your life then you've got no hope whatsoever mm. yeah wow powerful stuff man <clears throat> and but just by the way i talk to greg almost every other day online <laughs> he's a wonderful brother yeah he was a guest of ours a few uh back with the daryl mansfield uh program we were doing and i met him a sorry no greg is yes he was the first guy when i i came to california from the east coast yeah and and he was one of the first guys that I was ever like really impressed with. Yeah. Going, wow, these guys, real. these guys really yeah. bring it. You know, yeah. they weren't restricted by the parameters of CCM definitions because there wasn't one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. <laughs> I just love that. Another t song I wanted to ask you about, and this one here, I can tell you, I, I can't help. I tear up every time because it's one of those songs. And my son is a redhead, so you can know what song it is, Child's Love. Yep. Uh, I believe, <laughs> is your daughter redhead? I don't remember. <laughs> or, no, I have two sons and two daughters. Yeah. Um, my, that was about my oldest son. Yeah. The ironic thing is he had this great strawberry blonde hair, okay. and, you know, by <laughs> yeah. the time he reached high school, he was shaving his head. Yeah. You know, it was like... Yeah, my son was dying his. <laughs> Well, that's my other son. He, he used to dye his hair blue and green all the time. But um, <laughs> that son, uh, the reared-haired inspiration is bald. I mean, he, and he's, he stayed with a shaved head look. He's a fire captain in San Diego now. And, um, you know, so, I mean, it, it was a short-lived experience to see red hair on that kid. <laughs> but a beautiful song for parents. I'm sure everyone identifies with it in some way. It's just one of those. Uh, did you write that song? Who writes most of the songs that uh, you do? Well, I write most of my songs. Yeah, I thought you did, I mean, yeah. In the Sweet Comfort Band, <clears throat> you know, I probably wrote 60% of the songs. Yeah. 
but you know there was uh, there was a lot of collaboration and like as always in a band mm -hmm. and how a song turns out is is rarely uh the way you would do it if you were by yourself yeah although i love you with my life and when um i never should have left you were exactly as i anticipated them being yeah except for maybe the bouncy jazz feel right of i love you with my life the first time mm-hmm but yeah, and but Randy Thomas is a is an extraordinary songwriter in him, in himself, and and I still write with Rick Thompson mm -hmm. occasionally. Yeah, he's more of an idea guy. I mean, he he would always have okay. What if we said this? Yeah, and you know, of course, then he would leave the room and leave you to write all all the <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, and you know, make it make sense. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, you know, that is part of the songwriting thing is, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have a good idea, then you don't start. Yeah. Well, to coin an old phrase, we hear probably too often, uh, you make most of the songs your own. So you, you really bring out the best in those songs, Brian, honestly. Um, I was going to ask you too then, a little bit after the breakup, um, you told me what happened. Then you went solo. <clears throat> and uh, your first album, 1985, Have Yourself Committed. I love the cover. Everyone loves the cover of that one. Uh, tell us how that was received by the CCM people. Like, I'm sure they were looking at the cover wondering, what is this? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I was kind of a, probably a little naive about what was going to transpire in Christian music. <laughs> All, uh, all I know is when I left the Sweet Comfort Band, I was so burned out that I, you know, I just wanted to check into a nut house. Yeah. And I started making jokes about that. And the idea of having yourself committed had a double entendre to it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what really took off was the was the T-shirts. <laughs> yes, I know. I've got one somewhere. <laughs> I probably wore it yeah, right out. Remember. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I think we might have sold more t-shirts than records. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, because I, I had a, it was back when Wham came out with yeah. Choose Life, you know, and those big t-shirts yep. with big letters on it. Yeah. And so we did kind of the same thing that said, have yourself committed. <laughs> and it, it was a, it was kind of a smirky way to uh, profess your faith mm. and, um, probably the biggest success of that was that um, that church youth groups and church camps were using it as a theme mm -hmm. for the uh, for their camps and so I mean yeah it 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 did really well and yeah. so did the record yeah. and um, of course you know if you're gonna do well then you're gonna get really busy and you're not gonna even notice uh, the success of it because yeah. you're too busy being busy yeah everybody seems to be re-releasing their albums is there any need to do that or you've got so much new music coming out is there any need to go back and maybe remaster as they call it re-release maybe some box sets or something well i don't do that a lot of record companies that i've been on have re-released stuff because i'm still out there singing yeah and so I mean, it's you've got so much new, yeah. Them. Yeah, you've got so much new new stuff. So, well, the new I have a new record out called Shine. Yes, it has a couple of new songs on it, but we reworked several of the uh, the more serious ballads mm. into uh, like "Blessed Are the Tears" mm -hmm. and "A Heart Like Mine," Beautiful. who which were um, they are. Uh, in the top ten, probably of of single pickups, yeah. you know, on iTunes and those kind of things. Yeah, but we reworked some of those songs because back in the day, um, a lot of the recording techniques we were using were sound kind of dated now because they it was drum loops, right? And yeah, yeah, you know, cut and paste kind of things, and we decided to rework a lot of my old songs in a way that that sounded more like a real band mm -hmm. uh well it was a real band yeah and yeah so we did we did them with more of a rhythm and blues flavor we've got a on the new record we did a version of um 
Your Love, My Saving Grace, mm -hmm. which is about 10 minutes long because just let everybody in the band just take a free-for-all solo, Beautiful. and it's just a screaming track. Love it, love it. Well, I love the Econo band, don't get me wrong, but I really like the big band you've got now. I like the, the on the video, just some great, great, like you say, that 10-minute song would be, I would play that in a minute. I love it. <clears throat> then you went into um, Holy Roland, which uh, talks about your uh, comparing uh, preachers to James Brown, obviously. Uh, Whistling in the Dark, Strong <laughs> Medicine, right? And then I loved, um, you kind of went back again with, a similar theme again with anonymous confessions of a lunatic friend now that kind of gives you a little bit of have yourself committed again another really fun title um i'm suppose i suppose uh word records or whoever didn't really go for that one too much well you know there was some there was some forward thinking people tom willett was at at word records at the time and he was pretty edgy yeah <laughs> well i mean i they weren't they weren't put off by it. No. I was just going to call it the lunatic album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's call it the anonymous confessions of a lunatic friend, because it, at least that way, it didn't make me look like I was the primary, uh, you know, perpetrator. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I was already going through a lot of, you know, we just got through talking about going off the rails yeah. and, you know, I was under the impression that if I was just brutally honest about and transparent mm. about the about faith and the gaps in my faith, that that would make me more popular, which was absolutely a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're honest with somebody, you know, now they have something against you. They have something that they have leverage mm. in ways that doesn't. All, that's that's not always beneficial to you, and that's why so many people are not honest uh, with themselves or with others. But I continue to do it anyway, and um, <clears throat> it started with whistling in the dark. Yeah. I started to realize that I had more questions than I had answers, mm -hmm. and you know, if you only have two answers and you keep using them over and over again, it, they start to wear a little thin. And it was, like I said, faith has to be tested. Um, you know, there, that's why we go through the things we do. Yeah. Um, um, when I got to the Lunatic album, I was about as, um, <clears throat> as off the rails as I could feel. Hmm. So, I mean, the idea was, wow, I can't even tell somebody that I'm not doing well without there being a giant concern. And the first thing they do is kick you out. Yeah. They'll kick you out of church and out of, out of Christian music. Yeah. And so you have, you have to couch it in a way that sounds like I'm okay, but I'm kind of not. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Did you have something else? No. Okay. No, I'm having trouble keeping my throat clear. Yeah. That's all. Me as well. It's just that early morning, you know. I had my coffee, but uh, well, it's uh, it's dry up here now. We've got that uh, summer kicked in all of a sudden yesterday, and now we've got uh, we're not as hot as you guys. No, you don't know dry. We're not. We're nowhere. <laughs> you know, dry and dusty. I, yeah. I live in the desert out <clears throat> here in California. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's where Mister Bill is in uh, Lancaster. So he uh, where the station is. So that's uh, pretty dry out there. He complains of the same yeah. thing. Uh, we've got Mercy and 92, 94, Slow Revival. And then we went up to 1995 and you did an album. Now, was this a, a, a spin-off spin of the My Utmost for His Highest, uh, Quiet Prayers? You did a whole album yourself. Were you also on the compilation? Yeah, I got... Um, I was kind of a, a last-minute addition to um, My Utmost for His Highest. And then they were going to do a whole series of records from each of the artists on the first record and do a series. I don't know if that ever transpired or not. I don't know either. Oh. But Quiet Prayers was, was simply a spinoff. And I got to tell you, I was, you know, I was just kind of going along for the ride mm -hmm. on, with the record company on that. It was super mellow. Yeah. Super mellow. Yeah. And that's not really me. I'm no. attention deficit. <laughs> usually pulling off the walls. Um, so 
you know, we did the record, and it was produced by Dan Postema, um, who was was really, you know, the arranger on that on that project, and and I was surprised that it won Inspirational Album of the Year. I didn't even hmm. go out front to wait for the <clears throat> the winner on that one because. <laughs> There's not a chance in the world, you know, of all the artists that do, you know, music similar to that. I certainly didn't think I was. I had a gnat's eyebrow of a chance hmm. of actually winning the award. So I didn't give, I didn't give a speech or anything. <laughs> I didn't get to thank the Academy because <laughs> um, I was backstage talking to uh, <laughs> with. Uh, what's that guy? Kenny Rogers. I was talking to Kenny Rogers backstage go. when I was in. I would be too. <laughs> and I was talking to him about his restaurant because he just came out with these restaurants that had really good food. And I'm going, man, can I get a get a, get a discount? Because <laughs> I eat there all the time. Beautiful. And then they, somebody says, hey, you just won. Where? How come you didn't go up? Uh, I was stunned. <laughs> Tell him you were talking to Kenny Rogers. What else do you want? And the same year, uh, you did Christmas is Jesus and a Spanish album, Unidos en El, I think is how you would say it. Uh, was it the same recording session, or did they just come out the same year? Um, you know, they were doing a lot of different kinds of things at the record company, and I was kind of, you know, just following around. Yeah. Um, someone decided they wanted to have me do all my top songs in Spanish. Wow. And of course, <laughs> I got to find I've that one. <laughs> well, I've got uh, about one year's worth of Spanish under my belt and they hired somebody to translate <laughs> uh, my top 10 uh, songs into Spanish. And then I sang them in Spanish with the help of a uh, translator. Um, it wasn't terribly hard. And it didn't take really long. We just kept the same tracks, and I just sang them different. Yeah. Um, that song, that thing didn't do well to start with, but you know, it's had a revival of sorts in the last five years. Yeah. Just because it's kind of getting rediscovered, because mm -hmm. uh, there's a large population of people who speak Spanish as their main language, and. Although if you go to uh, Amazon and read about, you know, the record, you know, I think somebody mocks me uh, uh, saying that I I don't speak very well. But I thought it was beautiful. No, I thought, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> it was a Castilian kind of Spanish uh, that this guy used, and it's it's very poetic. There were se sections of the record where I'm going, wow, that doesn't even sound like Spanish that I know, because, you know, I... I hear a lot of backyard Spanish mm -hmm. uh, in California, but um, there's a beautiful language in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I took uh, four years of it, so I should check it out and see how much I can <laughs> understand. <laughs> beautiful. Um, Blue Skies came out. That was a very good album in 1996. Uh, tell us a bit about that one. That was probably, um, one probably would still get lots of airplay today. I don't know. Blue Skies was a relief. Yeah. You know, I'd already gone through Mercy yeah. and Slow Revival, and, you know, because the Lunatic album was, uh, I was at the lowest point, yeah. you know, spiritually that I might have ever been. And, you know, I remember writing Blue Skies. It was like I saw a clearing in the clouds today, much to my surprise. Hmm. It, it was an astonishing thing. Uh, one day I caught myself laughing at something on that I heard on the radio and it dawned on me that it was unfamiliar to me hmm. to laugh hmm. and that I had I probably hadn't snickered about anything for over a year or two and I was just I was almost dumbfounded yeah. I'm going wow I I still have the ability to smile about something and that kind of led to the in, the entire record blue skies was just the start of uh of a new page in my own life mm -hmm. any favorite tunes from that one well i still play blue skies yeah, by the way of course yep um, one of them, i think there 
I can't remember what's on what record nowadays. Yeah, I was but... going to grab them all out, but then it's a lot of clicking around back and forth. And, uh, yeah. well, you have a lot of albums, so <laughs> it's a good thing. There, there was one song on Blue Skies that I really liked, and nobody really jumped on it. Mm. But um, I've always been a, a fan of the way Sting writes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses a lot of four seven or seven four time signature where it's it's not on the beat, right. and you know to make a pop song out of a time signature like that is is really difficult. Yeah, and unless maybe he's just you know wired different he's than the rest of us. A little bit of reggae in his but head. Did, yeah, yeah. I did a song called uh, Turning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, it's just got that little extra tag on every measure. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I was kind of proud of that one because I'm going, I wrote in a time signature other than 4-4. Four, four. Wow. I was going to ask you too, what album was uh, Maybe I'm Amazed? What one did you do that one on? That's on a record called Joyride. Okay. <clears throat> By this point, you know, um, in the transitions of music, everybody was doing covers. You know, the cover bands became bigger than the bands themselves. And, um, you know, so I was on Provident. I was at Provident uh, Records by that point. Mm-hmm. And they were pushing me to do a cover song of somebody else because, you know, that was getting a lot of attention yeah. to play songs that somebody else made popular years ago i you know i wasn't real crazy about it but i thought well we could take something and you know and and make a different kind of message out of the same song without changing the lyrics right um, so we did maybe i'm amazed and turned it into amazing grace at the end yeah. which which kind of worked and we we got a lot of um uh, uh, concert opportunities uh, to play and, because everybody wanted to sing on it. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, you come to a church and, you know, they want their whole choir to to join you on a song. And that was kind of the beginning of, you know, being more interactive with, uh, with churches and their local musicians because uh, there's a lot of musicians that can play. Uh, we started doing that, and I think that led to a few more that we did later too mm-hmm. i can't remember what records they're on but we did ain't no sunshine yeah oh, it was on the live experience right yeah ain't no sunshine and uh hold on i'm coming right. and i can't stand the rain um it was fun uh but at the end of the day i got into writing music for my own sanity's sake yeah. and you know covering other people's songs uh doesn't make me any more sane than I was. (laughs) Well, I've got a bit of a compliment from uh, Ken Tamplin. He says to say hello, by the way, he's going to be on with us in a couple of weeks. And he says, you do the best version of maybe I'm amazed he's ever heard. And that's uh, coming from Ken Tamplin. So I tend to agree it's, uh, you made that one your own. I don't even remember who did it now. <laughs> I do, but. Well, maybe I'm amazed as Paul McCartney. I know. <laughs> the thing is, I didn't even listen to his version no. when we were recording it. I, yeah. you know, I just remembered it from my childhood. Yeah. And so when I sang it, I didn't realize that I was that different from the way he was doing it. Yeah. I mean, he had a grittier sound on it than I did, mm-hmm. but I just like I like clean I like clean you know power vocals yeah and that's just the way I did it yeah if you could uh, oh say, yeah. hi to, say hi to Tam uh, uh, Cam, uh, Cam, Cam. Tamplin yeah. Tamplin I'm, I sure I'm will. turning my words right now <laughs> would you ever collaborate with him like have you had a chance to I, I'm should have asked him maybe you guys should do an album or a, a, at least a couple songs together that would be something well you know sure i'm willing to write with anybody i'm writing with bob carlisle on yeah, wednesday right on but you know most of the time you know the thing that keeps that from happening is budget yeah i know you know yep. somebody has to get money to do that mm-hmm. you know because 
there's a lot of time involved in writing songs and getting them recorded. I mean, it took me three years to get uh, this latest project done because everything is crowdfunded now, yeah. uh, at least in my camp. Yeah. So um, it's all of that is moving a lot slower, and that goes back to do. Uh, you were asking about re-releasing things yeah. too. I'm going well. Somebody has to put up the money to do that. Yeah, exactly. It takes a lot. So that kind of kind of leads into what you're doing now. Tell us how people can get your music now. You've got a sort of a crowdfunding. It's I think it's called. Um, I'm trying to read it. Bitly Shine. It's a, a website you can go to and see what you have available, and they can uh, get different levels of what would you call it sponsorship or pledges or what would you call it. It's just crowdfunding. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you go to BrianDuncan.com, right. spell Brian with a Y, right. BrianDuncan.com, the first link you're going to come to is, if you click on that, it'll take you to a whole page, and you can get all my back records uh, or, or request something specific. Mm -hmm. And you can also support the next project. Yeah. We have songs lined up, you know, longer than a bank line on Monday. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all of that's easy to find if you just click the, go to briandunkin.com, click the first link that you see at the top of the page, and it'll it'll take you to the page where you can get the new music. Perfect. I'll put a link to that on our website as well. Perfect. Okay, so that was my main thing. I wanted to make sure we knew how to do that. Um, I think you prefer... Uh, live over studio but do you when you do a studio are uh, do you how much of it can you do live or do you like to do it piece by piece oh i don't really care it's it's as long as we get the feel i'm happy yeah that's what i thought um, and that's why live sometimes feels better than yeah. you know piece at a time mm -hmm. because you've got musicians listening to each other yeah. um it's pretty important end of the day though you know i like being able to separate the tracks out mm -hmm. and you know vocally have things exactly where you can put them and compress them and make them sound better than they would sound if you were in a live hall yeah hopefully luckily oh luckily we can do that you can go back and uh, even record something live you still have everything separated enough you can go back and fix something up or drop in another guitar solo or somebody missed a vocal and you want to put in or whatever. Um, that always happens. Yeah, always. But, you know, then too, you know, you can get, you can get a, a studio recording, uh, so sterile that, you know, you lose some of the, the feel that happened because yeah. it was in the moment. Yeah, exactly. I know how many times I play in a band and I always thought, man, I wish we taped that, but we don't do anything original, so there's no need to. But sometimes you get something really down just right. It'll never happen again that way. <laughs> you just wish you had, yeah. right? Uh, tell us about, I don't know if you still do a podcast, but at one time you are doing a podcast. Uh, what was that all about? I was doing a podcast. I don't remember what that was. Oh, okay. I'll, um, I'll remind you. Well, podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a that's an odd uh, denomination. I have an online uh, website called Radio Rehab. Right. And I I did uh, a whole series of shows on recovery because mm -hmm. I still think it's uh, you know if you have living relatives, I tell people you have something to recover from. Yeah. And you know, these days, you know, I'm recovering from loss, from the loss of loved ones. Yeah. <clears throat> so the a lot of the principles still work yeah. of of trying to find a way to remain resilient in the face of setbacks and circumstances you didn't count on and things that are out of your control. Mm. Um, those things are so big that, you know, I think you need to be constantly looking at ways to keep coming back. That's a term they use in recovery all the time, yeah. and I, I still use it for everything else. Yeah, yeah. I'll need to check that out because that's definitely where I'm at. Uh, I lost my father a couple of years ago, and 
definitely know what loss is about. And he went through um, 12-step programs as an alcoholic. And so my family's went through a lot of that. So I definitely identify with um, recovery and loss and and, uh, how it affects your family, your kids, how you want to break the chain and not pass things on to your kids that, you know, you kind of went through and give them your experience, Mm -hmm. right? So I totally... Yeah, and radio rehab is not just for alcoholics and drug addicts, no. you know. I I was never either one of those. Right. And and yet there are still things in my life to this minute that make my life unmanageable and that's the thing that really struck me. I played at a 12-step group meeting once. Mm-hmm. And they read the 12 steps and they were talking about, we admitted that we were powerless over certain things and that it had made our lives unmanageable. Yeah. And um, I think everybody in this life uh, can find something in their life that makes it unmanageable. Or there's things that you cannot change where it is, give me the courage to change what I can and the wisdom to know what I can't change. So, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of stuff that you just look at and you're going, man, I can't fix any of this. Yeah. So, hence the point of radio rehab and the road to redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. So definitely check that out, people. I know I sure will. <clears throat> and um, I was going to ask you a couple questions as well. Uh, I checked out on your Facebook page. People were asking questions to you, so I thought I'd throw the question, the same question to you. Uh, why we can't find your albums in stores? Well, I can't even find a store. There's no Christian stores anywhere. There's, we've got one in all of BC that I know of, in Abbotsford, and that's uh, the House of James. Anybody in BC, but other than that, it's everything's online. But even at that, uh, they don't seem to be promoting the um, the older music anymore. Well, you know, that's exactly it. I mean, CDs are a thing in the past almost. Yeah. Most of my sales are downloads. Um, they're harder to see. Even if you promote something, it's a link to some place to go. Yeah. Um, there are no stores. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the, it's just, it's generally the way music is is being handled now yeah. that makes it hard to find you know, anything that you're looking for. Um, you can Google uh, me. That would, I mean, Amazon and iTunes mm-hmm. still have all my, they have all my records and all, you know, iTunes has 140 of my songs. Yeah. And so does Amazon. But, but those people, you know, they just throw a wall of stuff at the general public and it doesn't, it doesn't benefit the artist That's, when you yeah. buy from Amazon. I was going to ask you that. You know, so we've had to set up our own ways of doing it because the only way I can continue to make music is to have people who who appreciate my songs and my uh, my take mm-hmm. um, is for them to help me make the record in the first place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the bottom line. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, Spotify, you get one... Point three cents of a song or something. Um, Amazon, like you That's say, too high. <laughs> for... Spotify is .007 cents for play. <laughs> Somebody came up with an idea that we should uh, put it, put our favorite artist on a song on Spotify and leave it on all night and let it play all night long and repeat so that it adds up and then you get maybe get a couple dollars out of it. <laughs> you know. But that would take. You could play it all night, and it would it would uh, it would accumulate to about a nickel. <laughs> yeah. I'll just tell you, I'll tell you right now, uh, those those sites do not help no. um, artists. But it's it's the whole uh, theory of trickle down economics. I'm going no, it doesn't trickle down because the guy at the top is taking everything. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, we use stream licensing for our station, and that's because at least you get something from that. So I'm hoping it, it comes back in some form. But we definitely mm -hmm. don't just play with anything randomly without the official CD in our library, like the physical CD or whatever. So that's uh, where we come from. And that's what our station is all about, is trying to, to play the things you don't hear anymore on K-Love or whatever. We don't even get K-Love up here in Canada, so I, I don't really... I imagine it's a worship station or something. And uh, they're just into one uh, one or two or three songs from what I hear on, on a repeat and doesn't really give you much variety as far as programming goes. Well, it definitely makes it harder for you to find music that you like. Yeah. I, I know I have a car... I just bought a new car, and it doesn't have a CD player or a cassette player in it. It's it's satellite network, but I, I'm telling you, you know, I'll, I've almost wrecked my car because I'm I spend all my time, you know, pushing buttons, mm. going, "No, nah, I don't like that." There's like 30 seconds of every of 200 stations, and you can't find one song that you could listen to all the way through. Yeah. It's just harder to find music that you like yeah. uh, on a consistent level. So if you like somebody, you need to kind of follow them at their at their own site, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the way we've been doing it. Yeah. And of course, when you order the record, you get a download copy and a CD copy, and it's signed, and you get four extra songs, and we play you the stuff that we're going to play on the new record. There you go. That's what we want people to do. So good. Well, we'll definitely be doing that, encouraging people to do that. And uh, Brian, thank you so much. We finally got it done. I think uh, we had a lot of fun the first time I talked to you with uh, Brian with the uh, Daryl Mansfield. Uh, I remember the first interview I did. I didn't have my recorder going, so we had to do that one again. <laughs> so uh, it's been lots of fun. Yeah. Technology is wonderful, but it's not always uh, what we want. Uh, but this has been a lot of fun. I really do appreciate Brian. Thank you again so much. And um, maybe one more thing before you go, because I think this would be cool. You did a couple liners for me for the station. And uh, by the way, it's the most popular one we have. It's you said we're playing music that we like. <laughs> if you remember doing that, um, would you be able to? Oh, no, I don't remember. But you know, <laughs> you want to do another one that's smart Alec? Yeah, the smart Alec ones. I don't know. They, they don't sound like, you know, a professional thing. <laughs> I like those, though. <laughs> uh, could you do one that says, uh, just says, hi, you, uh, for Mr. Bill, for his program, you can play one. Uh, could you say, hi, this is Brian Duncan. You're listening to Mr. Bill on Classic Christian Rock Radio. Mr. Bill on Classic Christian Rock yeah. Radio. Okay. okay, thanks. Ready? Ready to go. Hi, kids. This is Brian Duncan. You're listening to Mr. Bill on Classic Rock Radio. Almost. It's not Classic Rock Radio. <laughs> classic Christian Rock Radio. Classic okay. Christian Rock. Oh, my God. It's okay. okay. We keep it going. This is even better. Go for it. <laughs> you know, I... You know, my first bird that I had as a pet was named Mr. Bill, too. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, all right. Here so, we go. One, two, three, and go. <laughs> Hi, this is Brian Duggan. I just wanted to let you know that Mr. Bill is a personal friend of mine on Classic Christian Rock Radio. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Uh, he'll get that. Uh, yeah, he'll get a mile, he gets a mileage he out He loves of that. that one. Okay. Thank you so much, Brian. Have a good day, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> and uh, you're free to go. <laughs> All right, man. Okay. See you in a Thank bit. you so much.